from a mission and from a values perspective, what are we trying to do? Much to what any company should be asking themselves, what's that problem we're trying to solve? And then how do we build a solution around that? But then also with the DAO, instead of having customers play that one role of buying from us, how do we also bring customers in to co-create and really capture value with them so that they're building not only because they like our product or they like our service, but they're aligned really with the mission of where this company is headed. Welcome to the Unlearn Podcast, where host Barry O'Reilly seeks to synthesize the superpowers of extraordinary individuals to think big, start small, and learn fast. Here's your host, Barry O'Reilly. Welcome to the Unlearn Podcast. On this show, I'm delighted to be joined by Janae Dwayne, who's dedicated herself to one mission, make life better for one billion people. Now, Janae is an award-winning innovator and expert who identifies trends that will help pave the way for the future through forecasting and building complex systems. She guides executive companies and teams with behavioral economics in the metaverse, Web3, information warfare, corporate innovation, entrepreneurship, and DAOs. She's the best-selling author of The Startup Equation, How to Start Your Business with $100, and How to Create a Revolution. She holds degrees from Brown, Northeastern University. She's currently studying her PhD, and she's also faculty at Singularity University, where we both first met. And today, we're going to dive into the topic that she speaks about most regularly, Distributed Autonomous Organizations, or DAOs. But before we get started, let's hear a little bit about what kicked off in her career and focusing in this area. I was in a freshman English workshop in my undergrad at Northeastern University. And I had my professor, who was a grad student, was talking about John Newton and had provided some reading for us. And one thing that I read by him, and he was a philosopher back in 16th century, But one of the things that he had said was that everything was interconnected. And it just made me realize, and at the time I was saying to be an opera singer, and that was my first career. Yeah, I love this. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) But it made me realize everything that we learn is interconnected and that ends up being built upon and then, you know, can be sliced and diced in different ways. But Also, the systems in which we work, how we work, how we learn something new, how we build a company, the tenants of that company, how we're connected to our customers, all of these things, much like in nature, is very much an ecosystem. And I like to bring up symbiosis because when we think about symbiosis in nature, we think about survival, whether or not it's survival of the living organisms within the ecosystem through the sort of dependencies or interdependencies of these non, non-living organisms, there is this connectedness. And so that has very much informed everything that I've done from being an opera singer to then being a, a four-time entrepreneur to being a college professor and now, and now as a research scientist really digging into our systems of the future and uh, the technological enablement of that. And so much is interconnected 
And so much is changing. Yeah. And how we have to be ready for it. I'll tell you what, if there's one thing I wasn't, wasn't ready for in a pleasantly surprised way was you actually doing an opera performance midway through <laughs> your presentation at Singularity University. I'll tell you what, you should just go alone for that, folks. It was amazing. I need to put a hat out next time, next time I do that. You I'll would start have filled busking. it. There's no <laughs> doubt about it. Even interestingly, the purpose of that talk was about a topic that I think is fabulous, yet still in the early days and many people trying to get to grips with this notion of distributed autonomous organizations or DAOs, which for many people feel like one of these foundational cornerstones of what's been called Web3 or really the future of how the internet, the world could become programmable. And this notion of writing company sort of policies or a thesis for how the business is going to operate as a sort of programmable set of principles and contracts really about how a company is going to work together. And you were leading us on fabulous workshop that you've designed. I highly recommend people go and check out. You've published this workshop about how to construct a DAO that anyone can download. You've made available open source. I think it's fabulous. I'll put a link in the show notes. But tell us a little bit about your journey to understanding or experiencing what decentralized autonomous organization is or a DAO, what was something that you had to unlearn as you sort of went through the process of experiencing or learning what the hell a DAO is? Because believe me, as you joked, most people in the room were like, I hear what you're saying, but I don't understand what you're saying. Help us sort of understand a little bit about even your own journey to understanding this space, what some of the steps you've taken some of the aha moments you've had along the way. So that workshop in particular, just seeing there were folks who really have been living Web3. It's almost when we talk about digital natives, where digital natives intuitively get where, how to work with certain technologies. In VR, in my research in VR, we see where digital natives feel more immersed in experiences rather than folks who may be older who haven't necessarily grown up with that. I found in that workshop that those who knew Web3 and are in some way dealing with Web3 maybe have a crypto portfolio, maybe they have digital assets of their own. They intuitively got it. What's challenging about DAOs first, and then I'll get into my own journey, is that when we look at the idea of a distributed autonomous organization where all the members of that organization can vote, maybe in different capacities depending on levels and depending on what the rules of the DAO are, But the idea that there could be agency for everyone involved to really move an organization forward is a fundamentally different concept than what we've had over the past 200 years, right? So when we look at the first industrial age, the second industrial age, through information age, into sort of this fourth industrial age, as it's sometimes coined or termed, We are very much seeing two things in particular that I think really blow people's minds is that we are seeing a distributed web 
that provides the opportunities for a more networked effect and more collectives to emerge and sort of self-organize. But with that, with the democratization of information that comes along with that, we are seeing these almost pockets of erosion around centralized models as well as how organizations are used to building products and services and models around the concept of centralization. Everyone will revolve around us and then we will end up creating that network effect. It's fascinating for sure. I keep thinking myself and even my own experience, every company I've personally been involved with, there was the notion of maybe a CEO or a founder who sort of was in charge or made the ultimate decisions in companies or Maybe it was a a strong leadership team where there was four or five people who had great talents and they made decisions as teams, but that's it. That is as like decentralized as company that personally I've ever seen where there was maybe four or five people who were experts, but held the ownership of the company and its vision and Whatever decisions had to be made ultimately boiled down to the hands of a few and still some sort of hierarchy, right? As you allude to, in the early industrial age, it was basically the manager just of, right. of the factory decided everything and everyone just fell into line. There probably wasn't even much discussion or debate about <laughs> right. what should the company do? Well, we'll do whatever the person who owns it says. And to a certain extent, I think a lot of listeners probably feel like they're working in startups or businesses where ultimately it still boils down to one or maybe two people who make the decisions. They may take input, but ultimately they make the decisions. And I think what we're seeing is you're alluding to this notion of uh, truly decentralized autonomous organizations is that the decisions are made by the community based on the rules that are defined in the sort of company artifact or the DAO that describes how we're going to make decisions. And people have voting rights based on the way they've contributed to the company. And that is fundamentally sort of different, but it rhymes a lot with people hearing things like shares and ownership and voting rights. And yet how companies, I think, in the the physical world still operate is that it comes down to a couple of people making the choices at the end of the day. Facebook's a good example. Like lots of people can own shares in the company, but ultimately, you know, Zuckerberg owns most of the voting rights about how the company's going to operate and perform versus these DAOs where you have highly distributed, you actually don't even know who these people are. Most of them have avatars that are proxies by a board eight club where you're, or a crypto punk or a crypto chick where you just have an avatar that, demonstrates your involvement in the community, how early you were part of it, how much weight your vote has based on the contributions you've made. It's totally awkward for me to even think about being part of something where I don't know the people, I've never met them in person. I don't even know what they look like. I'm judging a lot of their credibility through their behavior. And they just have some notional voting power based on the contributions they've made to the company in the guise of how it's defined in our rules of operations in these DAOs. It's amazing in many ways. So why aren't we 
dying by death by committee if we have have so many people that can vote? How can these companies even get off the ground? Like, what, what have been some of the things, as you say, you've set to see and experience by doing them? Yeah, so the thing is, is that it's very nascent. There are different DAOs. So there's DAOs that are completely on-chain. All the rules are written into a, a blockchain. Pieces of that are automated. But then we have DAOs that are more collective DAOs, if you will, that are completely off-chain. There's small groups of individuals who are making decisions to like Constitution DAO, trying to buy trying to buy a physical asset together. So share a little bit more about Constitution DAO. That's a really interesting example <laughs> for for people who may not have heard what people tried to do there. Oh yeah, no, for sure. So I love this example. So when we think about things that we're interested in. We try to find like-minded people. It was why social media in its early days was so, what I consider so lovely in, in comparison to what I can consider it now. What we've is, ended up with. <laughs> yeah, dumpster fire. <laughs> but to me, I think that DAOs provide an opportunity for the future of social networks. And Constitution DAO, to me, is an e- example of this. So. One of the original copies of the Constitution was up for auction. And so what happened was a few individuals got together. This was considered a social DAO. This is not on a blockchain. This is just a small group of contributors. And within a week, they ended up with 17,000 contributors and they raised over $40 million to try to buy an original copy of the Constitution. And so though they were not successful, part of what this does is that this provides a venue for people who might have like-minded interests to get together and then figure out other projects that they might work on. So this is where we see almost like that future social networks starting to come into play where you're going to find these pockets. It's very much tribalism, if you will, at its best. But that's a, a really great example of a, a social DAO. Another social DAO, which I thought was funny, is Pizza DAO, where members of this DAO are raising money through the creation of pizza NFTs, non-fungible tokens, where they, they sell those tokens in order to throw a, a global pizza party just because they love pizza so much. This is DAO's off-chain, like, trying to create social networks and social camaraderie, trying to find like-minded individuals globally and really connecting around that. What I find interesting, though, for organizations is there's an opportunity here. And to get back to your original question of how did you get here? Why are you working on this? And why, why is this important? The past close to 10 years, Barry, like, I've been working in corporate innovation with multinational organizations. How do we move the needle? So much of that, two things, one of which you've already talked about, which is the shareholder and the exec team, but one of its culture. One, if you don't have a culture of innovation, and then two, if your hierarchical structure has too many middlemen and just too many layers of fat, if you will, there's no yeah. way you're going you're gonna to get anything done. And 
it doesn't matter what your contribution is because most people don't even know who you are besides whomever is in your team. And any recommendations that you make, to your point, once they get sent up the chain, they're not necessarily taken into consideration. So people very much are demoralized and don't feel like they have that agency within our current organizational structures. And depending on the organization, you could have founders who are current CEOs who have voting rights or the majority of voting rights. But no matter what, if it's a public company, you are beholden to your shareholders. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and if you're a private company, if you have investors who are sitting on your board, they're very much driving the decisions of that organization. So there's so much to for every individual and for just an organizational construct to unlearn in this. And I think that's the biggest challenge. And I think that's why, I don't want to say we're moving so slowly with this, but why it's still sort of early days. Because really what we're saying here is, listen, we're going to get together. And so Invisible College is doing this in education where they're veteran educators and they wanted to create a new form of education. Like, how do we get a few folks who are like-minded to really sit down and think through, all right, from a mission and from a values perspective, what are we trying to do? Much to what any company should be asking themselves, what's that problem we're trying to solve? And then how do we build a solution around that? But then also with the DAO, instead of having customers play that one role of buying from us, how do we also bring customers in to co-create and really capture value with them so that they're building not only because they like our product or they like our service, but they're aligned really with the mission of where this company is headed. I mean, that's a, a large shift in consumer behavior as well that we have not even considered and we've tried with open innovation. This brings it to a whole different level of really bringing the customer into the fold to be a part of the organization. Yeah, no, it's, it's super fascinating. A lot of what I've been writing about recently is this notion of explosion of entrepreneurialism, literally like because tools are so cheap now relative to where they were five, 10 years ago that anyone, and you don't even have to be technical. You can spin up a Squarespace site, plug in Shopify and Stripe, and then suddenly you're like, can sell products to the world for like $37 a month. It's and most amazing. of the templates exist that, to help you get up and running. It's amazing. It's a fabulous opportunity for entrepreneurship. But I think one of the other trends that have really struck me is this community-led businesses, people that are being brought together by a common purpose that they believe in, and not necessarily seeing the construct of a company where you have people building things that are set or pushing things onto customers. You have a community to believe in a product, a principle, a set of ideas, and they want to bring that to life. And whether you're a building that company or you're an early user of the product and contributing to it, ultimately, it's a community that you're bringing together to co-create, as you say. And then depending on that role that you're paying in the creation, you are rewarded with some level of ownership 
in that thing that you're creating. So if you're building, you're rewarded for the work. If you're an early user of the product, you're rewarded with ownership for participating in the company when it's early to give feedback to grow it. Whether you're just using the product and you love it and the true customer of the product, you know, you should get a little reward for actually using the product and advocating and asking more people to come into the system. And I think the way, because we can programmatically measure that and track what people are contributing in different forms now, um, that is very interesting when you contrast it with the world you were describing of the company, the classic company Open Innovation Day, where a CEO stands up there and says, give us your best ideas and we'll have a competition and see who wins. And and we'll keep your IP <laughs> and we'll file the patent and you won't get any credit for it. Yeah, sure. I'm going to give you my best ideas because it's a sort of swing for the fences hope that if I help get through all the bureaucracy that goes through a company to get an idea off the ground, I might get a bonus for the year. One of my really good friends works for this very famous design company and they're a multi-billion dollar software product. And he found a whole new business model for them, built it from the ground up with a small skunkworks team, three or four of them, and turned it into like, I think they got to like in the tens of millions of their first year, they're up to nearly 100 million in revenue now from this product in the first three years. And he was like, I've built this business and I, I got, I think, like a 20% bonus in my salary for the year. And like, he's sitting there going like, I could have just spun this out as my own company. Sure, I had a brand to support me and what I was doing. And like, you know, no one ever does anything exactly on their own. But the feeling of almost anger for how much you had, people had contributed, not just him, like the team, all the people that brought that business idea to life, which is going to be a, a serious source of revenue for that large company for many years to come. And yet their contributions and reward for their effort is they're only given money. They don't even own more of the idea that they help bring to life, right? And there's, there's something I think that feels wrong to certainly the new generation of people coming through about that whole equation, right? And so I think there's so many interesting things here happening, as well as this way to fund things now, which has been changed massively, where funding, as you said, is that your pizza dough friends, they just basically start making graphics of 10,000 pizzas and everybody can buy a graphic for a dollar and suddenly they've got $10,000 raised where they can use that to build products, to market for the Dow, to they can set, these communities can self-fund themselves which again is really powerful. That's been one of the most fascinating things seen from this whole world is, as you say, the different types of DAOs, like it still brings a community together. And if they believe in something that they enjoy, that they love, that they want to see in the world, they can essentially self-fund themselves by creating an, an NFT or token, a badge, whatever you want to describe it as, and mint it. And people can buy them and it gives them access to that community and it raises capital that can be reinvested in building out the community. And that in itself is a fascinating funding mechanism for all of this. It's really interesting, as you say, that we're really starting to recognize or have a mechanism where people can gather around ideas, purposes, missions that they believe in, 
self-fund those missions and then every part of their contribution be recognized at a programmatic level, whether you worked on building the company out by creating a website and writing software, whether you were an early user of the product and gave feedback to the team that we're building, where you're just part of the community contributing. And it's very easy to for that contribution to be recognized by giving tokens, shares, equity, ownership, basically in the institution based on the rules that you describe in these organizational sort of policies, procedures, contracts captured in a DAO. I just think that is amazing. And we don't even know, this is like, as you say, it's the break of dawn in this whole space. So we still even haven't figured out how to do this correctly. And yet there's still amazing communities. Yeah, no, it's fabulous. Such a great point. People are tired. They're tired of not getting the recognition. They're tired of putting in a lot of work and sometimes others getting recognition or building something. Because I know this to be the case in many industries, like build something and the next thing you know, their job is eliminated. What did I just build for your company over the past 10 years? And now we're parting ways, but yet I've, I've brought you in millions of dollars in revenue and a whole new product that's part of your core capacity. That happens all the time. So I think that there's a a bit of that. And then I think that there's also a bit of, we have right now four generations within the workplace. And this is the first time in history where that's been the case. And so I think it's just a, a convergence rather of things where we have folks who are coming into the workforce but there's really no place for them within our traditional hierarchical setup because we still have boomers that are still working and obviously don't want to retire and are looking to continue to show their value. So I think that those two variables in particular lead us to, well, there has to be a different way. And that converging with Web3 technological enablement, I think, has allowed us to explore this as the next shift in business modeling and what we consider organizations to be. Organizations like brands are living organisms. They change and evolve. And to me, this is just sort of that natural evolution of an organization as we shift with technology. So I love lots this. of opportunity here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. But I think one of the things that's the most interesting uh, for me personally is that we're sort of like obfuscating out the exterior of people as well. And what I mean by that is, like, say you join one of these projects, there's 10,000 of these avatars minted as an NFT, just a JPEG. But that sort of becomes your new persona. You are Board 8 Yacht Club 47386, where you're blowing a piece of bubble gum with sunglasses on. And is that I don't yours? know if you're... <laughs> the thing is, I don't know if you're 12 years old, right? if you're 75. I don't know if you're white, black, Asian, Indian. I don't know how long you've being in the industry and my 58 years of experience, all I can see is your behavior 
and your contribution. And that even in itself to, as an idea, is huge for me personally. We're judging people based on their behavior, what they've done in the past, projects they've been involved in, how they contributed. Were they a bad actor, a good actor? Because all that information will start to become available and less so about the externalities of people, like their age, their gender. A lot of these things that actually, I think, inhibit a lot of biases and and problems that block innovation happening. Because why would we listen to to the graduate when the CEO of the company has been in the industry for 25 years and knows how to do it? Why would the graduate speak up with their great idea? What's the incentive? They have to get through many cultural bureaucracy barriers, never mind just being heard and treated as as all ideas being sort of equal in a way. That stuff is fascinating to me. And how is it going to play out is, I think, one of the most fun things. And my first startup was a mobile games development company. So gaming is like a central part of my world. One of the things I learned early in gaming is like when people play things like World of Warcraft or Minecraft or your kids play this stuff, Leadership emerges through how people perform and play in the game, the way that they can organize people, that they can bring them together, that they can make decisions and are risky decisions that sometimes have payoffs. And that's really inspiring as to like why people would like follow someone in a game or work with them on a join their team in these games. You've no idea if you're working with an eight-year-old or an 80-year-old when you're playing these these worlds, right? But there's a lot of behaviors such as leadership that emerge that you see in these games. And feel like we're entering more and more of that world. It's like these lines are blurring in many ways about what great leadership looks like, what contribution looks like, and that you're able to, at a programmatic, fractal, tiny level, recognize all these things and reward people for it. I think that is really fascinating. If we can get it right, it's going to be phenomenal. That's the key part. If we can get it right. And that's always our, and we can try because what is right and what does that mean? I think to your point, like it really does shift many of the conversations that are occurring now in diversity, equity, and inclusion of will that even matter in many work contexts, right? I mean, if I have a horse head and a monkey's body and I'm leading a charge. You have no idea what I actually look like or what my age is, to your point. And what I love about this is that this is very much to what Linda Grafton out of Oxford had predicted around the liquid workforce, where you will, instead of just work for one company, you will contribute to many companies and you will be judged on your credibility and on your last gig. You know, again, like as an opera singer or you know, a previous opera singer, just like any consultant, you're only as good as your last gig or your last job. And so really reputation will end up having uh, when we think about scoring or you know, how we evaluate reputation and credibility are two things in which we will then start to really examine when we bring people onto projects or when we bring people into a DAO or if we decide to work with them or play with them in a game in some capacity. So 
really being honest with oneself and saying, hey, how can I, as I move into this future of work, because that's very much what we're talking about here, like, how can I make sure in order to enhance my engagement and only work on things that I believe in and that I can bring my best self to so that I'm not doing a crappy job or I'm not just trying to pay the bills. How can I make sure that I'm picking those projects or those DAOs correctly so that I can contribute in a way that will enhance not only my reputation, but my credibility, despite wherever I might be in the world, whatever I might look like and whatever avatar I might use at that time. I mean, there's just tons of opportunity there. Super fun. So just to give people a few tips then to get started, because I think that's the hardest part about this whole world. What were some of the small steps you took to start actually exploring this world in sort of a safe to fail manner in a way? What were some of the things that you found were helpful for you? Yeah. So first, if you are unfamiliar with sort of the changes in Web3, just please, for your own sake, begin there. Start to understand how blockchain is changing many things. Look and understand how, say, digital twins are being used. Understand the tenets of virtual reality and virtual worlds and the construct of the metaverse, which are interconnected virtual worlds in which we will be spending much of our time. Understand those things first. Understand a, a bit of crypto and understand what NFTs are. Like, Just get a lay of the land. And I'm happy to send over some resources to Barry so that we have them in the show notes for this. But I would begin there if you are not already involved. I would then go and explore different projects that are on, on different chains. So for me, a place where you really might want to start is go and look at some of the protocols or protocol DAOs, you know, so like you, you might want to look at MakerDAO or you can really go to DAO operating systems. DAO operating systems are DAOs that build DAO. So you put a DAO on top of a DAO, if you will. So going to Argon, I mean, Argon alone has, last time I checked, they had about 1,500 DAOs on their system. So just exploring some of the DAOs that exist there so that you can get a sense of the different projects. If you do not already trade crypto, I would then also have that be something that you dig into next, because that's going to be very important when you start to think through what does this look like? How then if, if you own some Bitcoin or Ethereum or some hollow, like how do we then change them through various protocols? You have to get used to trading some of that first. So I would actually dig into some of those tenants and then I'm happy to provide a bunch of resources if you're a little farther along and you want to start to make a DAO yourself, there's actually some great resources out there that I can then provide to Barry to put in the show notes. Because there's some fantastic people providing tutorials that make it super easy to then figure out, all right, if I want to toy around with this with some friends of mine just to explore, how might I do this? And that's really, I'm big on small and quick tests. So that's how I would start to iterate and get started. 
Yeah, and no, I think this is great advice. I always felt, even well, maybe this is my own personal approach, but I always feel like you have to have a little bit of skin in the game. Right. Like the the way to learn crypto is to buy a little crypto. You don't have to spend a million dollars. Put like 50 bucks in or whatever you're comfortable even losing. But just, I think once you make this sort of little financial commitment to it, suddenly you're like looking at the price of it every day. And then you're starting to wonder what makes it go up and down. And actually, what you know, another way, one of the models in this world is learn to earn, where you can go to some of these exchanges, be it Coinbase or others, where they'll give you Bitcoin to learn about Bitcoin. And that's another it's almost like a free way to get some crypto is like learn about it on their platforms. And then you can start to say, use that to make a trade or to look for some of these DAOs that might be interesting to you, projects that you think are fascinating and get involved with them and then contribute in some way, as you say, like do something like use the product and they might end up giving you some tokens in that. DAO because you used it and gave them feedback. Just there's very little interesting ways just to experience what these communities, companies, or projects. I almost these words are almost interchangeable in some ways about what these are. I think it's fascinating. But yeah, great advice to get started. I also want to point everybody though to something that you shared about. You've actually created this sort of a DAO board, which I think is a great little exercise for people who are trying to envisage what a DAO might mean. And you've open sourced it too as well, which I think is really a great set of questions to think about if you're going to create a DAO. Like what are some of the things to think about from uh, the process of creating it to governance, incentive structures, and how you get connected with the community, I think is a really great tool that really stood out to me as well. So before we close, like, what are you most excited about as you look to the future with this whole space? What's making you sort of jump up and go, wow, what's going to happen here is going to be something truly unique and different? Yeah. So two things. I'm really excited to see how DAOs evolve, particularly from a legal perspective. So here in the US, there's only one state that has DAOs or allows DAOs to become an LLC. So seeing how legal entities are, and structures are going to change for DAOs and how that then shifts how we think about DAOs is going to be an important conversation. I'm excited to see where we head with just the evolution of DAOs. And then the biggest thing I'm excited about is the disruption to some of these models. You know, when I think about education, and I think about how really we're doing a disservice to students and for individuals who are looking to do lifelong learning. We are now at a crossroads where we can really look at the system and invent a new one. And so to me, it's an exciting time, but we also need more people in the conversation to have these conversations and identify what are the structures and ways in which we can move this forward that really sort of bridges that gap that technological enablement just immediately creates, right? It immediately creates a divide within society and within the human population. So how can we find opportunities to make sure that we're really providing folks 
with the opportunity to maybe learn to earn and find ways in which we can provide this new structure and opportunities for participation to individuals who maybe wouldn't normally have that opportunity. To me, that's just such exciting stuff, Barry. Yeah, no, it's amazing. Well, look, thank you for coming on and sharing some of your own experiences with us. I'm sure we'll have you back on the show again, even to hear how your own thinking evolves, even over the next six months, year, who knows, this space moves so fast. But again, it's great to have you in the show and thanks for sharing. And everybody look out for all these great links that will be in the show notes. See you soon. Thanks, Barry.